0: Welcome to Transform Now, the podcast brought to you by robotic process automation pioneer, SSNC and Blue Prism. Digital transformation has the potential to reshape the way companies service their customers, engage their employees, and manage their operations. Whether you're looking to develop strategies, tactics, or best practices to positively impact the future of work, or you're curious to see how other companies have successfully navigated their digital transformation programs, then this podcast is for you. We're here to help you transform now.
1: Hello, everyone. I'm Michael Marchuk. Welcome to the Transform Now podcast. Our guest on this episode today is Vincent LaSalle. Vincent is a consultant and has written on topics of organizational innovation and societal change for over a decade prior to joining Demos Helsinki, a global think tank. He's focused on innovation from research and development to growth management with experiences in venture capital, entrepreneurship, large corporate and government change management, and a whole lot more. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm glad you're here. Tell us a little bit more about yourself and the background that led you to join a global think tank. And and maybe what is a global think tank? What what do you do?
2: Sure. So as you said, my background is in business and in particular in innovation, traditional business school, venture capital, executives, like C-level training. And then I joined the second largest power utility in France to help build their innovation team. So very kind of engineering, heavy and kind of innovation over the several years. And I was interested in societal transition at large. So not only the energy transition, which is already complex enough, but what some could refer to post industrial change and discovered that there was this really interesting group of community of a think tank in based in Helsinki and um, working Pretty much on trying to solve like those systemic changes, trying to help different types of organizations or pieces of society to adapt to what would that be today? Was lucky enough to join them six years ago and have been working there ever since. And what we do, in a nutshell, we try to play the role of a substitute between systems, if you want. So we have a very optimized system today for a very specific purpose, which is industrial building service design and a very kind of capitalist and neo-capitalist approach. I won't go into industry capitalism as, a, as an issue at all, but that's what our global society is really good at with issues and stricts attached to it. And the idea is to say, does that still make sense today? And what kind of new systems, new processes, new organizations are required? And we try to do both research and consultancy, and we work with governments, supranational organizations like the European Commission, the OECD, UNDP, so the UN, cities, corporates, NGOs, civil society at large, to build up those different building blocks. We've been doing so, Demos Helsinki has been doing so since 2005. One of the things I wanted to chat with you
1: about today, because I've been looking to understand how this interplay has worked, and I ran across Demos and the Scopagy methodology. I'm hoping you can provide a little
2: more context about what Scopagy is all about. Sure. I like Taking it up from what I was just saying now, we inherit a lot of the tools and organizations we have from an industrial era, from the last 200 years. And there are some questions on, is that still what the world needs now? To some extent. And strategy as a tool, corporate strategy in particular, is one of them. It was mostly developed over the last 200 years, mostly since the end of the Second World War, in somewhat of a more linear, predictable, or perceived linear and predictable world, and which is no longer the case. And I'm pretty sure that last few years has convinced most people of that. And so it's, it has a few limits that we think are quite damaging to society. And so Scopagy in a way is an updated or a new approach to corporate strategy, but we think better tailored to the global context we are in today. So maybe I can go into a bit more detail on what the issues with current strategy that we see are. So in a nutshell, and obviously a lot has evolved over the last few decades, and this is gonna be a gross caricature, so I apologize for that, but strategy processes can be structured in mostly three steps. One, there's usually at some point some kind of foresight or forecasting approach done by companies or looking at trends, mega trends, depending on your consultancy to look at what are the possibilities in the future. So you take trends and you pull them in the future and you say, okay, if this continues, what what could happen? What risks? What opportunities? How likely is it that this is going to happen for us? And you look at possible futures, then you've got the proper strategy process, looking at the current valuation, the current assets that you have, the current assets your competition have, the current competitors, lead legislative change, this kind of ecosystem that you're in and how it will evolve short term, you in you take in those trends that you've created and those opportunities and risks, and you make decisions today that should put you in a good position in the future, in a way, make more profits and be uh, profitable. And then there's a third phase, which is implementation. And usually those kind of where you just implement the strategic plan. And that is quite a sequential process and a kind of generic process that all companies go through on a regular basis. The issue, and obviously there's a lot of sophistication in this and tools, and I won't go into that, but overall, that's a process. There are two major issues that we see. One is that because the world has become so complex and to some extent unpredictable, there is going to be something that comes up quite soon after you make your plan that's going to unfortunately unravel your entire plan quite to its core, which means that you need to start again. In other words. You're pulling of the trends into the future. You can't pull them very far today, which is probably why we had five or 10 even year plans or industrial plans in the fifties. And that today, most companies honestly are working on a year to year basis. And that's a major issue for quite large long term issues that we're facing in society, like climate change, like reskilling, like industrial renewal or infrastructure renewal, that it's really hard to make a decision on a year to year basis. The second issue is that you're looking at external reasons why you need to change. So your implementation phase is motivated by changes that you see from your competitors, from legislation, from the climate, potentially. But you're changing because you have to, not because you want to. And in terms of motivation, in terms of actual efficiency of change, that is actually much less efficient. And we're at a time where we know there's quite a lot to change. And so not being efficient about it is complicated. And so that's why we've been working for the last several years and built up an, a quite different methodology that we call scopage.
1: So we you, you mentioned that this the sort of short-term planning, I've seen long-term planning in various corporate entities, which may last three to five years as they project it out. You mentioned that that sort of longer-term trend has even shrunk from the 10 years to the five maybe with technology mm-hmm. changing So rapidly, people are having to adapt to some of that stuff, but also with all of the changes that we've seen globally. Obviously, this helped you know focus these companies from a market perspective. You talk about competitors and the product development cycles and that sort of thing, but when you start talking about infrastructure renewal and some reskilling of the society as a whole, you're advocating these multiple long term, multiple decades of change, which commercial organizations generally don't do or think about. So how can a company, someone who's in a commercial sector, satisfy both the shorter term, the market view of things, and the longer term
2: strategic goals? Sure. In a way, that is why Skopje was built. In a, so strategy comes from stratos in Greek, which is general positioning. A general is a military general positioning of troops on the battlefield. It is very much a military term. And you can see that kind of environmental reaction or contextual reaction to that word. Skopos, so Skopagy comes from Skopos in Greek. Skopos is purpose. So the whole point there of Skopagy is to think, how can we inbuild long-term, and by long-term I do mean, yes, 10, 15, maybe 20 years into the future, thinking, and then get it back to actual contributions The question is not so much how can they, is how can't companies do it today because they're in a position which is very hard to be in total reaction most of the time and your reaction mode on things that you have very little handle on and that is very hard to have any visibility ability and grip on for your leading so you're very much on a reactionary position instead of leading the change within your industry within a sector and you're stuck within the system as it is defined maybe i should describe maybe the difference in method and how it changes. Maybe that's helpful. So I did a caricature of process. In terms of Scopegy, the idea is that we start off with a very kind of societal perspective. So looking at the societal questions and tensions that you, your organization is facing today, which goes way beyond usually only the industrial issues, though those are definitely part of it. So it's not that it's It doesn't focus on the same things as the strategy process. It just completes it with more societal aspects. So maybe, so yes, you'll have supply chain issues and stuff like that, but also maybe geostrategic issues, maybe the change in how citizens see themselves only as consumers or also um, how your employees see the, we've just seen the big quit or we're in the middle of it or whatever that is. So that takes into, you have to take that into account if you're looking at several years into the future. So, we look at a scope, a societal scope. Then we will use same strategy, kind of foresight work, but where where has been a way, traditionally use foresight to imagine possible futures of like and then think, okay, I'll make decisions to be to be good with what I can see today. We actually use that work to figure out what did you want to see as a societal outcome in your field. And like societal, sectorial, And then, what is your role as your organization in that? And then we backcast. So it's using the back, like the reverse approach to forecasting. Say, what if that is the end goal in 15 years? Then what needs to change today? And you go back in time on the options. The last part is that instead of implementation of a plan, you now can basically experiment different paths to figure out which ones are the most adapt to the context to reach your goal. So instead of reacting and having to rethink your entire strategy, you're just adapting the path. So I'll give an example, but let's say that in your, in your plan, you have to build this new type of job or of, of industry within or business in the next three or five years. Well, today you could create it internally. So, you know, invest in R&D or build it up internally. You could maybe do a joint venture with another large industry, because actually this new business is at the juncture between your own and their own. It doesn't exist yet. Or you find maybe a startup that does this to some extent already and help it grow. So venture capital or corporate venture, whatever you want to call it. So that's three different paths. And the idea is to think what would help you decide between those paths. And if you build that and understand that of thinking, oh, if there is enough demand in the next two years or straight away, then actually it makes more sense economically to do it ourselves. If not, we're quite happy to, take, to share the risk with somebody else or that actually we'd love that another organization to break its neck around that and we'll just look for a while or, and okay, great. Test maybe market desire and that'll tell you which one to invest in. And so you adjust your strategy according to what the market, what society is telling you, but you're much more adaptive in that way, much more resilient on a long-term process. And the last point I'll say is that whereas in traditional strategy with uncertainty in the world, you're, you're limited to looking shorter term because there's more and more unpredictability, in this case, the, the scopagy process forces you to think term. because if you're looking at a large change, it is unrealistic to say it'll happen in two years' time. Yeah, yeah. You know, Decarbonize an oil and gas company, that is not a two-year process. That's a 10, 15, 20-year process. And so you are and, forced and
1: to think. We've seen that with, within our automation platform and organizations, both commercial, but also government. They're getting substantial value from rethinking their work to leverage humans and digital robot resources. But this implies that the current workforce is gonna need to be reskilled to support their roles as they change and automation fundamentally alters the way they work. So this is something that companies can plan to do as they perform their digital transformations, but it brings up that longer term change and that question about how do you filter that back into the educational system so that the children can be prepared for these changes when they grow up, enter university and finally the workforce but it, it really begs the question of how do companies and governments connect effectively to generate the skilled workforce for the next several decades to help generate those
2: future state plans that you just talked about? That is a perfect example of something where current strategy is actually quite hard or doesn't equip corporates to do that today. Because that's a lot of that of what you just described is outside. The scope of what they feel is their responsibility and understandably but it also means that you're going to inherit whatever education system is going to create in terms of a workforce and so again you're extremely reactive to these things and so what Scopage does is enable you to look at those aspects and think and rethink basically the system like the backcasting says okay this is, has to change and what is our role in that and so and you have to make it economically viable for a corporation, but you can start thinking, oh, well, actually, there's a coalition with states. Actually, it's a coalition across my industry with a very clear goal. And we've actually built or helped create coalitions, industry coalitions, so pure corporate players together, challenged with like large challenges like the one you've described, that they can't do individually. We've also done them with the public sector or civil society, but those come out of these kinds of processes. We've actually just published on the topic of digital transformation paper last Friday, so if I'm very happy to share the link if you want to add it to the notes on like those challenges. And so that is, yeah, exactly. This is the kind of stuff that what Scopage was created for. So. The these
1: changes you talked about in the longer term and as well, the shorter term the interactions with governments to help support these broader initiatives from a, an industry perspective, all very noble things. How does an organization start now? What would they do? What's their first step to starting to adopt like a Scopagy viewpoint for the longer term thinking at the executive or board level? as well as the rest of the organization? Because as the execs and board, they may be thinking about this stuff, but they're also thinking quarter to quarter in terms of their the way their market is perceived the way their investors are asking them questions on what they're going to be doing. And then the rest of the organization is in the midst of the operations of things. How do you infuse this into a corporate entity to
2: help them think broadly like this? Well, that is what we do on a kind of daily or weekly basis with our corporate clients. So it is a kind of big and complex question, because as you have already remarked, it's not only just maybe a process change. It comes with culture. It comes with reconnecting different departments in different ways. It comes with, it has organizational changes. If you start going down that path of thinking, wait a minute, if I'm led by long-term societal goals, and then that is already part of my strategy, that then becomes a part of my operations in the experimentation way that I expand that changes think. So the, that kind of whole uh, support of being able to have that change over time, what is my role as a board of an organization or an executive committee, now that I have this kind of long-term perspective, and not only a kind of a raison d'etre, but very much perspective of society of the future I want to contribute to, I think this organization will contribute. To. So that's a, a Probably a longer conversation than we have time for, but I'm very happy to have it. We've published a few things, so you can find an update there on our website as well, looking at how to do this. Very practically, as a first step, I would say that whatever the industry, whatever the size of the company, you can look and really look at what are the societal challenges and questions that are being thrown your way. And that today you're probably thinking, that's not necessarily my role to answer So is it choices in global supply chains or versus local ones? And the values that are set with that. Is it my political stance on some social issues? There's quite a few questions or countries in which I'm positioning myself or, and a lot of the, at the moment, a lot of those issues are dealt with in a legal matter. Am I obliged to do that or not? But if you actually start looking at what would we want to do, then actually that will help define the scope, I mentioned before, as a first step, like the societal scope to take into account in a Scopegy process. Again, at the end of the day, this will then be boiled back down to business models, to uh, opportunity, business opportunities. So in a language that is very much actionable and operates within current trends. But it's just that it creates a different funnel of how to build those and why you're building them.
1: Yeah, that's make, that makes a lot of sense to go down from that practical standpoint. Switching gears on you, you think very heady thoughts about broad <laughs> topics and governmental and long-term change. What kind of books do you read for fun?
2: A few. Do you want some recent titles?
1: <laughs> yeah, if you've got them or just what you're reading right now. You have a book that you're in the middle of right now. So I usually
2: try to have two at the same time. Main course and dessert, if you want. Okay. In terms of main courses, I'm in the middle of Homecoming, which is about actually the relocalization of industry. And so that for me is FT Journalist writing it. I butcher her name each time, so I'm going to avoid that. (laughs) But but, so that's a main course. That's a lot of analysis there. And then I'm a big fan of personally of science fiction. But just because I quite and that is dessert. So at the moment, <laughs> I, I'm into, I'm hesitating actually between two series to start, but it's a very, what is it in English, sorry, a galactic opera. Okay. Very Star Warsy kind of stuff, just to get my mind. <laughs> I, can I can
1: understand. So I, another question maybe is, what's your take on all this generative AI, the whole chat GPT stuff, especially since you're a fan of science fiction, what are your thoughts on where that's going?
2: <laughs> Big topic. This is very much my own take or position. I at times wonder, if we're not to continue on in a way, again, inheriting from an industrial perspective, which is very much focused on efficiency, efficiency, efficient use of resources for kind of profit generation and very specific tools, but it has a very strong drive for achieving stuff. And so much has been achieved in the last 200 years. But I wonder if we're not building a society that is not necessarily really addressed for humans, because we're not the most efficient. Uh, organisms out there. Humans are messy. Um, we're messy. It, what are we doing right now? Trying to figure out when can I talk? How can I, what kind of word? I, I'm half Kiwi, half French. You're American. We're speaking the same language, but are we exactly? What are the concepts? You're imagining things that is different from me. It is so inefficient, but that's like the entire wealth of being humans. And we are building, I think, a lot of our society, not necessarily for us. It is we prefer to talk to a chatbot than a human or WhatsApp somebody that actually talked to a human. We 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 build these things where we don't necessarily need human interaction anymore. And so building AIs and that sort of thing, which could serve us very well, is also a natural step towards that. So I There's a lot more and many dimensions to that question, but maybe that's one question that I wonder of what would, if we decided that we wanted to build a society that was very much designed for humans with all our issues and inefficiencies, much more than building us towards becoming more and more efficient and fitting to a system that is driven to that. How, what would be our position versus ChatGPT and mid-journey and all these other kind of AIs. But it's a fascinating kind of, yeah, Quite uh, at the moment, I do play around with it quite a bit. Well,
1: thank you for your time today, Vincent. It's been fascinating. I've got so many more questions, but I think we have to hold off for another episode because there's so many other things I'd love to talk sure. with you about. <laughs> but um, with those- I will definitely make links available for the papers that you mentioned in, in today's episode, because you've done so much heavy thinking work. And I'm sure You've got a wealth of information that dives so much deeper than we we're able to cover today that folks listening here will probably be best suited to be able to go read directly from you. So I'll get those links into the no-show notes. Again, thank you again for taking the time today to enlighten us about how to think long term as we're thinking about our corporate positions.
2: No, thank you. It's a pleasure to talk to your human. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thanks a lot, Michael.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Transform Now. For more insightful discussions on digital transformation and more, check out our podcast channel where you'll find all of our previous episodes. And to make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. And if you like what you've heard, please leave us a review. For more information about digital transformation and the future of work, check out blueprism.com to learn how SS&C Blue Prism's digital workforce is enabling enterprise transformation now.